This is God's servant Dilip Koshikoshi. I am the pastor of Revelation Church. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. I pray that you will experience the power of God's word in all its richness and glory today. May your faith be revived, your mind be renewed, and your body be healed in Jesus' name. Praise God. Let's pray and look to the Lord and see what he has in store for us. Father, we are in your presence. Minister to us. Minister to us, Lord. Reveal your heart to us, Lord. Change us. Lord, he who has his hope fixed on you will seek to purify himself. You know, we just heard that now. We'll seek to purify, to be purified by you, Lord. We want to be purified. We want to pursue sanctification. Lord, we want to pursue after sanctification. We pray, Lord, even today, even as your word is being spoken over your church, your people, Lord, we'll receive the power of your sanctification in us, Lord. Thank you for what you're going to do. Thank you, Lord. May your spirit be at work in our midst. Amid every single person, Lord, who are here, physically gathered here, and even the ones who are watching us online, we pray this word will come out. Your word will come forth in power, in clarity, in purpose. It will accomplish the purpose for which you have sent it. It will not return to you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise Jesus. Amen. Last week we were considering the pursuit of sanctification. We, we, we uh, looked at that scripture, Hebrews 12 and verse 14. Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. Amen. The Holy Spirit wants us to actively pursue. Say actively pursue. The Holy Spirit wants you to actively pursue. Press on toward this process of sanctification which the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. You must not disengage. You, can, you must not be passive before the Holy Spirit. When He wants to do this work in you, you cannot disengage from Him. You cannot separate yourself from His plan. Because the plan of God, this is the purpose of God. This is the will of God, your sanctification. And you have to give in. You have to completely be yielded and surrendered to the plan of God concerning this. Actively go. Say actively go after. Say actively go after. Say, I'm actively going after. I'm pursuing. Yes, I'm, I'm pressing toward sanctification. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, if you are not actively pursuing sanctification, then sooner or later, you will be found passively following after sin. It will be a very passive process. But if you're not actively following after sanctification, you will be soon found passively involved in sin. And it progresses. That passivity will progress into more active involvement. And then it, it progresses into indulging. Hallelujah. And we must not be silent partners. We heard this last Sunday. We must not be silent partners in the devil's business. And there is much at the world which we are not supposed to be part of. There is much that is being celebrated by the world which we are not even, we are not even supposed to be in such places. We are not even supposed to be we, we must be excellent in what is good. Amen. Amen. And innocent. Say innocent of evil. Some of those things which they talk about in the world, you must not, what is that? I don't know. And you must not feel ashamed because you don't know some of those things. Because you're called to be excellent in what is good. You don't have to be an expert in some of those things. I believe the Lord has placed before us a season I, I, I know that we are in, in that season where God has placed before us the season 
so that we can consider our ways and make amends in our lives. Hallelujah. You got to make amends in your life. Make changes in your life. Receive correction. Say, I receive correction. I receive correction. I receive correction. See, this shows that the Lord has an abundant grace toward us. He's abundantly graceful to us. He's so full of grace. And He has not um, given up on the church. He has not given up on us. He has all the right reasons to give up on us. Today I'm going to talk about why He is not giving up on us. Even as the Lord has given you a season, just consider your ways. Be yielded to it. Submit. Say submit. I want to submit to this plan. Submit to the process. Submit to the process. Hallelujah. Do not resist correction. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. I know the Lord has been repeatedly telling uh, the ch this church over and over. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Receive correction. Humble yourself. Because grace will kick in when you humble yourself. It will start. It will begin to operate. It will begin to take effect in your life when you humble yourself. Amen. Now, I know that a Christian can make mistakes, not can, may, may, may make mistakes. As a Christian, you and I may make mistakes. But I want you to know that is not the end of our walk with the Lord. That is not the end of, you made a mistake, that's not the end of your walk with the Lord. People may disown you, people may say things about you, but I want you to know that is not the end of your walk with the Lord. The enemy wants you to think that you're stuck and you, you have no way out. The enemy wants you to think that he will give upon you. That you, when you make a mistake, that you're done for. But you can find, you can find the way out if you can humble yourself. It's repentance. Repentance is nothing but humility. If 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 a if a, um, a, a proper synonym, you want to find a proper synonym for repentance, it has to contain the word humility. That humility in action. That's right. Humility in action. It's humility in, in posture. That's why in the Old Testament, when we read about dependence, we read about them wearing sackcloth and sitting on ash, putting on ashes. Why? It's about humbling. Even figuratively, even, even uh, physically, visually. Now you want to exit... The mistake mode, you need to be humble. Amen? Because pride will resist correction. And without correction, there is no sanctification. I want you to know that, you see, you are not going to be sanctified unless you receive correction. That's why the, we have a Bible, we have the Word of God, which is so full of correction. In fact, even in the New Testament, we see that the letters were full of correction. The church received so much of correction. Uh, see, we, we can say, oh, we are the church, we have arrived. No, you have not arrived. You still need correction because you are going through this process called sanctification. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. For that, you need to humble yourself. Humility will catalyze the sanctification process. It will hasten the sanctification process in you. It will hasten, it will catalyze. Because a, a person with humility will acknowledge his shortcomings. A person will, with humility will acknowledge his flaws. And when you do that, the grace of God will enable you, will empower you to come out of it. Are you with me? 
why does god give grace we 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 learned about grace last year i hope you still remember some of those things that were taught god gives grace to give progress to your life it's an empowerment for the christian to make progress grace is given to the christian so that you will not stay where you started hello grace is given to a christian so that the christian will not stay where he started or she started god's grace is given to drive you to take you to carry you amen from point a to point b where god wants you to be amen all the way to eternity hallelujah without grace we cannot make it and that grace will work in our life will have any effect i we remember we 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 learned about frustrating the grace of god if you remember that we can frustrate the grace of god by not being humble towards it but not receiving it amen we can frustrate it or the grace comes to you for your aid for your help for your support to take you from where you are and take you on this journey of maturing and sancti- being sanctified and being purified amen being made more like jesus hallelujah it takes humility say humility amen humility because god's heart for you and i is that we make progress with regards to the call of god upon our lives if you're not progressing in the call of god if a christian is not progressing in the call of god something is not right something is not right you got to grow in the call of god over your life amen and i see you must have you must have frequent experiences where people look at you they watch you they see you maybe they they come around after a while and they look at you and say you have grown with regards to what god has called you to be amen they must see that pro- your progress must be evident to all what is the bible talking about when it says that your so that your progress may be evident to all it's with regards to your calling everything that the enemy tries to bring into your life is to distract you is to deviate you to disconnect you from the call of god and that's the see that's the only thing that the enemy wants to do so if you're living if you are living in your mansion you're you know on your you're sleeping on your soft pillow on your bed on your mattress you're having three square meals a day you are you have a vehicle to drive around none of those things will bother the enemy much but what bothers the enemy is when the christian steps up to the call of god amen and takes up the mantle and the mandate that god has given him or her that frustrates the enemy that bothers him see enemy's scheming against your life is very simple how can i distract him how can i deviate her how can i disturb her or get his attention off or her attention off the call of god that he will not make progress concerning the call of god Hallelujah are you with me Amen Let's read from 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 10 Therefore brethren be all the more diligent said diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you For as long as you practice these things practice these things you will never stumble One more time Therefore brethren be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you for as long as you practice these things you will never stumble 
for in this way the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our lord and savior jesus christ will be abundantly supplied to you man will be abundantly supplied to you verse 10 it says be all the more diligent you, you you might think you are diligent enough no it says be all the more diligent meaning you must be progressively growing in this diligence hello somebody come with me you must increase in your diligence when it comes to these things that you continually consider and you make certain about his calling over your life meaning the conviction that you had about your calling last year and the conviction that about you have about your calling now must be different you know why now we have grown in that conviction because you have diligently all the more diligently pursued after it considered it about his calling and choosing you and by the time you reach the end of this year you must have grown in your conviction concerning the call of god Amen. now in doing so if you as long as you practice this as long as you continue to consider and diligently consider the call of god over your life you will not stumble the bible says meaning you will not fall into error you will not fall into error god does not want you to fall into error he is giving a remedy so that you and i can walk without error as long as you practice these things you will never stumble keep going for in this way the entrance ah, i love this into the eternal kingdom of god see it's all about progressively making your way all the way entering into the kingdom of god of our lord and savior jesus christ will be abundantly supplied see some of you are planning to make it just by a whisker some of you are planning to make it just by a like somehow squeeze my no that's not god's plan a christian must walk in such a way that the entrance to that kingdom is abundantly abundantly supplied to you uh, you should not have a single day of your life a single hour of your life a single minute or a second of your life where you doubt your salvation and by the way there are a lot of christians who doubt yeah, i do i counsel people so i know what i'm talking about and there are a lot of christians who doubt was my was my salvation experience really true you know why because they are not diligently considering the call of god and god's choosing them chose cho- choice over them they're not considering that because of which they're confused they're not very sure and they might make it just by the skin of the teeth but now god god is so merciful so gracious he wants you to have an abundant supply of entering into the kingdom of god where all the resources are provided for you all the energy that you need to enter into this kingdom is provided for you think about it just just consider this what kind of a god do we serve what kind of a god do we serve he is telling us giving a simple instruction you diligently consider my call you diligently consider my choosing of your life and if you practice these things you will not stumble you will not fall into error not only that an abundant supply will be provided for your entrance into the kingdom of god hallelujah amen make diligent effort to study god's call over your life so that you will be stable michael i want you to study the call of god over your life 
Don't think, okay, let me wait till I am 25 and then I'll consider. No. Now. Study it now. Study it now. Now. Consider it now. What is, so by the time you, you come to that stage of your life where you have to make decisions on your own, you are so certain about what God has called you to be. You don't have a doubt about it. Now, you, if you let the world decide what you must be, the world will decide what you must be. If you let the world decide, if the world has decided what I must be, I will be doing something else. Even as a Christian, you can still be under the influence of the world and end up being what the world or the circumstances wanted you to be. That's why he says, be all the more diligent. If you think you're diligent, oh, I'm, see, I, I go to church. Now I'm part of Revelation Church. I'm part of the band. I'm I, I, I part of the media team. I'm part of the Sunday school. doesn't matter. You must be all the more diligent. All the more diligent. And study this call of God over your life. That you will be stable. Yeah, that you will be so composed in life. Oh, composed in life. The Bible is assuring you that if you do that, you will not fall into error. Hallelujah. If you remember, we talked about this last week. The connection between your call and your marriage. Let's come back to the topic. Amen. Say marriage. There's a connection between your call and your marriage. And, and, and the reason, one of the reasons why people are confused about marriage decisions, marital decisions, is because they don't know the call of God over their life. Now, I, I was... Uh, Ministering primarily to the unmarried last week. I said primarily because I don't want the rest of you to feel disconnected about what, what is going on here. Yeah. You, it, it can be very comfortable sitting in church because suddenly the limelight is on all the unmarried people and you know you can switch off. No. See, like, like I told you last week, an instruction for one is an instruction for all. God wants to, the church to profit. We all must profit. And there are, there are lessons coming your way. If you can pay attention, there are lessons coming. This will bless your marriage. You might be married for so many years, but if, the, if you can open up to the correction of the Holy Spirit, it will bless your marriage. How many of you want to be blessed in your marriage? Oh, I want to be blessed in my marriage. I want to be blessed in my family relationship. I want to be blessed as a father. I want to be blessed as a parent. I want to be blessed as a husband. Because I know that I'm, I'm still a work in progress. Amen. So the word is relevant to anyone who pays attention. So, you know, some of you come early, and I, I, I don't know, I'm just assuming, so some of you would have overheard the Sunday school. Yeah, you might be 60 years old, and you would have overheard what is being taught in the Sunday school. I want you to know that you can still profit out of it. Just because there is Sunday school doesn't mean that it is only profitable for, because God's word is all scripture. Say all scripture. It's God bread. It says profitable. Say profitable for correction, for reproof, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God will maybe equipped, prepared for every good work. Amen. See, um, last week I was I was trying to help young people to rid yourself of the pressure to be in a relationship when you reach at a certain age of your life. And I told you that peer pressure. Peer pressure must not rush you into a relationship. Oh, everybody in my class have boyfriends. Everybody in my college have girlfriends. They're all dating. 
and they ask me who are you dating i don't have an answer to say so let me find somebody that's peer pressure and as a christian a young christian how can a young man keep himself pure by keeping it according to his word and like you heard it peace was being ministered to you god wants to set you free be at peace be at peace oh i'm 25 now i don't have anybody to hold my hands you have god to hold your hand man if god can hold your hand then he will make sure at the right time he will make you hold hands with somebody that he wants you to hold hands with amen, amen. see said said desperation and desperation is not the motive to be in a relationship it must not be for a christian because in if you going to go by your desperation you will end up making mistakes and that's why we just considered you must consider your calling now the energy that you spend in trying to find somebody if you can spend that energy and that passion and drive to find out what is god god's call concerning your life i'm telling you i'm telling you heaven's match will come over your life you will not be wasting time you know with the wrong person see because see, the bible says bad company corrupts how much more it is with regards to with respect to an intimate relationship a bad company I'm talking about company in general like in a friendship it can be a gang of friends it corrupts good morals how much more and more intimate close relationship can destroy your morals are you with me why are we talking about relationship because it's the most important decision you have to make in your life the most important decision and if your idea of making that decision is based on the the fairy the fairy tale stories that you heard as a child or the 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 series that you've watched on you know somewhere on television or you know that movie or this experience you will find yourself in error you know as you as a christian you cannot approach this lightly see this is for everyone even for parents you are burdened about your children and i want to set you free you must be praying not are you god send him a wife or send him a send her a husband no you must pray that he or she will understand the call of god with such confidence because in the calling of god is everything he or she needs in life you'll find his wife she will find her husband he will find his family he will find his security he will find his confidence she will find her conviction in the call of god now last week i told you that your calling came before you remember that your calling came before you you were you were created to to fit god's call Amen. you were created to fit god's call god thought about a call he had a thought in his heart that's the call of god and to fit that thought god made you amen, amen? that's why the bible says before you were formed in your mother's womb i called you as a prophet Amen. Before your unformed substance was put, were put together, God called you to be who you are in the kingdom. And I told you that your calling came before you, and I told you that success is to understand. We heard that for the Bible study, success is to understand God's call over your life and to fulfill it. That is success. You must understand God's call over your life 
and you must be able to fulfill it that is success and i also told you that god is not against success and if god is not against you succeeding that means god will provide everything that you need to succeed in life everything every resource every human being every connection everything that you need money whatever it is because god is not against you succeeding if you can understand the plan of god over your life then you will understand it's so effortless it's so easy that's why i tell people ministry is not uh, you know it, it will not be in want at any time if you can hear from god you will not lack when it comes to ministry you have a desire you have you know that it's from god it's the call of god you have confidence to step out you know why you know that god will provide Hallelujah. And you must understand your calling precedes your marriage. God has designed even your marriage and your spouse to help you to fulfill his calling over you. God has designed your marriage. God has already seen your marriage. In fact, those who are married, God has brought you together so that he can help you fulfill your call. You can take a look at your husband or your wife. Yeah, do it now. look into his eye turn his head turn her head look into that person's eye and and look and consider god has brought this person into my life to fulfill his call over my life hallelujah how many of you like it uh, when the bible asks questions i came across such a question i was studying this you know trying to put together something and uh, you know i was i was fascinated by a certain question some of you boys will be fascinated by it Proverbs 31 verse 10 An excellent wife who can find Who is asking the Bible is asking God's word is asking who can find an excellent wife The amplified puts it like this an excellent woman one who is spiritual capable intelligent and virtuous who is he who can find her When the Bible asks questions like this you can be sure that it also provides answers Amen Hallelujah an excellent wife who can find the expected answer is a rich young man a handsome young man or you want to make it spiritually you can say a praying young man a skilled young man an excellent wife who can find a handsome rich skilled praying young man but the bible is not answering that question like that very interesting way the bible is answering the expected answer is a rich young man etc 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 but the bible is saying her value is more precious than jewels and her worth is far above rubies or pearls what kind of an answer is that look at that an excellent wife who can find answer for her worth is far above jewels because you must understand the answer to that question is connected to a person's worth and value her worth is far above jewels and rubies and pearls now it means before you start get into the pursuit of an excellent wife for yourself you must know what is her worth all the unmarried people to listen to me it applies to both men and women by the way just because it says an excellent wife who may find you can you can actually look at the scripture this principle and say an excellent husband who may find yeah before you get into the pursuit of an excellent wife you must know what is her worth because if you if you can't understand the worth of an excellent wife you will not be able 
to afford her. And if you cannot afford her worth, if you cannot afford her value, you have no right, you have no reason to expect that you'll find an excellent wife. Ah, how does it feel now? Some of you have come to the end of your pursuit. I resign. There's a difference between you wishing for an excellent wife and you being worthy of an excellent wife. You can wish for an excellent wife. Anybody can do that. Anybody can do that. Any fool can do that. But are you worthy to have an excellent wife? See, you must understand this. Relationships always, 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 always works under the principle of worth and value. Always. You know, you, if you don't value a person, there is no relationship. In fact, that's why people sometimes leave you. Because they don't value anything in you. They just want to leave. Okay, you leave. You know why? Because they can't find worth in what you do, who you are. If a relationship should stand, it must be founded on the principle of worth and value. People cannot honor relationships with those they cannot value. Even God is like that, by the way. Do you know that God is like that? Now, why do you think God comes after man? Or he came after man? Why do you think that God sent his own son, Jesus, in the likeness of human flesh? Because he so valued us. See, that's why the psalmist also said, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you think of him and a son of man that you are concerned about him? Yet you have made him a little lower than God and you crown him with glory and majesty. What is man? This, is, this, is, this, is a, this has been a puzzling question, even for the psalmist. He, he, I mean, bizarre. I mean, what did, God, what did God see in man? That he sent his only begotten son. That's why John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. He found some worth in us that he sent his only begotten son. God pursued man because he finds worth in man. You know why? And this is what I wanted to come to terms with. You know why God finds worth in you and I? He did not do the same with animals. Say it loud. That's right. No, not just that. He created you in his own God created man in his own image. Because God created man in his own image, he finds worth in man. No matter how stupid he was, no matter how ridiculous he has been, no matter how sinful he has been, God did not plan to destroy mankind. He could have thought about it. But because he created man, in his own image, he found worth in man. And the interesting thing is, the worth that God found in man is not about man, it's about him. When God looked at you, 
the word that he found in you is not about you it's about him because he made you in his likeness so the worth that you have in the eyes of god is because of who he is think about it your worth is not because of anything else it's because you were created in the image of god and when god looks at you yes i need to pursue a relationship with this human because he is created in my image and my worth is his worth so everything is derived from god he is the absolute so coming back to a question who can find an excellent wife answer for her worth is far above jewels so what must you do what does that mean i mean how do how do you apply it you are in the pursuit of finding an excellent wife or you are in the pursuit of finding an excellent husband a spouse for your life and everyone who's planned to get married they are in this pursuit whether they admit it or not the what what should they do focus on knowing your worth and building your worth so that the worth of the person that you expect in your life can be afforded by you see unless you can know your worth and build your worth to that level of matching up to the worth of the one who is far precious than jewels and rubies and pearls you have no right to desire for such a one in your life and how do you build your worth and if you think it's about getting the the right education and getting the landing in the right job and you know earning a, a six figure salary and um, you know having the wealth and riches of this world uh, owning a latest um, you know four wheeler if 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 that's what you think when i said build your worth no no because the bible very clearly says her worth is far above jewels the the amplified says rubies and pearls and so if her worth is far above all these things the wealth of this world then what's the point in you being focused on the wealth of this world you you have to build your worth not based on temporal things because an excellent wife is far above anything temporal amen, amen? you build your worth by knowing your eternal worth which is by diligently considering your call and knowing your identity in Christ if you do not know who you are or what you are in the kingdom of god you are not ready to think about marriage <sighs> be set free be set free if you don't know who you are what you are in the kingdom of god you're not ready to think about marriage in fact christians who later struggle in marriage are the ones who have not figured out their calling because of which they will be all over the place they'll be so unsettled and they'll they'll try to peg their worth their value on anything that they, they they find they'll be so unstable in life and so what happens their instability in their lives will surface in their marriage you need to first know about your worth in the kingdom know about your worth in the kingdom 
so that you can afford a spouse who's excellent and whose worth is far above jewels. Make room. Make room to accommodate an excellent spouse by being sure of your calling. Amen. Are you listening? Even if somebody were to wake you up in the middle of the night, you must be able to say this because this is a principle that you must follow in life. You must follow this in life. Work on your calling. Understand your calling. Know your calling. Build on your worth. Understanding of your worth. And when you do so, you are ready. To, you're making room to receive an excellent spouse into your life. Now, sad to say many Christians are found chasing, seeking after relationship in a time when they are supposed to be seeking and chasing after God. Because timing is everything in the kingdom. Timing is everything. There's a time. There's a time for everything. There's a time for joy. There's a time for weeping. There's a time for pursuing. There's a time to be still. There's a time to lie down. There's a time to wake up. There are seasons in your life. He makes all things beautiful. And he's a God who follows the, 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 the principle of sowing and reaping. You got to sow into your bachelorhood so that you can reap in your marriage. Are you sowing into your bachelorhood? In you being a spinster? Are you sowing in your unmarried life? With the thoughts of God? With the principles of God? If you are, then you will reap a bountiful harvest in your, with regards to your marriage. Seek first the kingdom of God and His. And all these things shall be added unto you. All these things. Let's, let's look at the next verse. Proverbs 31 verse 11. The heart of a husband trusts in her. With secure, I'm, I'm reading from the Amplified, okay? The heart of a husband trusts in her. And it goes on to say, with secure confidence. And he will have no lack of gain. Look at this. It says... The heart of a husband trusts in her with secure confidence and he will have no lack of gain. See, a man needs someone who he can trust with secure confidence. That's what a man actually wants. What he needs is a person whom he can trust with secure confidence, not someone who he can talk with. Not someone who he can feel comfortable with. Not someone who, who he can flirt with. Not someone who he can sleep with. Because a man who knows his worth, that's a real man. Let me call him a real man. A man who knows his calling is a real man. He knows what he is looking for in a wife. He is not looking for those things which he can find cheap. If it was sexual pleasure, he knows he can find it elsewhere. If it was companionship, he knows that he can find it elsewhere. If it was just a conversation, he knows that he can find it elsewhere. But he's looking for somebody who he can trust with all his heart. Delilah was not Samson's wife. Why? Because he knew that he could, she could not be trusted. Even when she pressed him hard to find the secret of his strength, he denied. He didn't tell her because he knew that she could not be trusted. And sure enough, she could not be trusted. Finally, he, he was vexed to the point of death by this, by this uh, uh, war. And then he revealed the secret of his strength. What happened? Destruction happened. 
Every man is actually looking for a person to trust. A wife in whom he can trust. Marriages build on trust. All the other things are good things, frills. You know, it, it, it helps to bind things together. But the core of marriage is trust. I can trust with my life, with my secrets, with my weaknesses, with my journey, with my desires. I can trust this person. With secure confidence. Are you with me? Hallelujah. So some of your wives need to, to step up to that. And some of your husband need to, need, you need to know what you're looking for in your wife. And appreciate that. And stimulate that. If you're going to say, you cannot be trusted, I have my friends. You've already broken what could have bloomed into a wonderful relationship. I have my friends. You understand? This is what happens to, 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 to many married people. See, that's what I said. If it was about companionship, he can find it elsewhere. If it is about pleasure, he can find it elsewhere. That's not the right way to go about it, but he can. But the, the real thing that he needs is a person whom he can trust, trustworthy. So that he will have no lack of gain. What is that about? A woman of wisdom. That's what, that's what it is about. A woman of? He will have no lack of gain. Only a woman of wisdom can provide him. That's why the Bible says, wisdom is the principal thing. In all you're getting, get, in all you're getting, acquire wisdom. Because if you have wisdom, everything else will? will follow. You have to wise up to all the women in this church. Pray and ask the Lord to give you wisdom. Your wisdom and keep your marriage. Your wisdom can make your marriage exciting. Your wisdom, your godly wisdom, your insight. And in fact, Proverbs 13 is about that woman of wisdom. It, everything that she does is about wisdom. It's about wisdom, wise. In fact, the entire Proverbs is personifies wisdom as a, as a woman. Wisdom is personified as a she, a woman. Now that's why he may enjoy your soothing voice when he is tired. He may enjoy your sweet nothings when he doesn't have anything else to do. He may have, uh, he may have time to hear your gossip when he is bored. He may enjoy your beauty when he is in the mood. He might enjoy your touch when he is feeling cold. The fact is all these things come cheap to any man with some money or influence. He can enjoy these things outside. But his heart is searching, is not settled unless he can trust in the wife. I mean, as you grow up as a, as a teenager, maybe a teenage girl, you know, you're growing up. You know, you must ask the Lord to make you such a person full of wisdom of God. You're investing in your marriage. Maybe you'll, it'll be another 10 years before you get married. But you're asking for godly wisdom to come over you and to guide you. 
so that you are investing in your marriage in the, 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 the generations to come. And a wise woman can keep her husband in safety. You are responsible for the safety of your husband. You know that? You can tell him what to do, what not to do, not because you are the boss lady in the house, but because you have wisdom. And you know how to say it also, so that he will obey. I've obeyed her. I'm an obedient husband. <laughs> not because I'm terrified of her, because I've seen wisdom in her. If you're going to nag your husband, do this, do that, do this, do that, he will never listen to you. He will never obey you. You must be very smart. You must be very wise. You must be able to impart wisdom with such grace. Now, without wives, husbands are such dumbos. Hallelujah. That's the truth. That's the truth. See, I, I, when I see young couple, you know, when the husband acts foolishly, I know that, okay, yeah, this, is, this can create some problems. But when the wife also acts foolishly, I get very concerned because there is no chance now. I'm telling you, there is no chance. There's no redemption in this because wisdom is this woman. All of you applying to get married, dedicate your next year into studying the, the book of Proverbs. All of you unmarried people, okay, right from your early teens or even before that. Okay, start studying Proverbs. Okay, along with everything that else you're studying, start studying Proverbs. Have your own, make your own notes. Memorize verses and passages in the book of Proverbs. Hallelujah. No, by doing so, you as a woman, as a, as a girl, you are going to mature into a wise woman whose worth is far more than Far above rubies and pearls and jewels. And as a boy, you are investing into building your worth to prepare yourself to find that person who is far above, whose worth is far above rubies, jewels and pearls. And don't, see, I want, I want all the boys to know this. Okay? I want all the boys to know this. You don't expect to have an excellent virtuous wife if you are far from it. Because you will not be able to handle that kind of a, an excellence. That's why you, you don't have the eyes to see it. The, the, oh, the ability to understand it is like, you know, you don't know how to drive and you're given a Rolls Royce. And you're like, okay, you, you look at that every day and you're like, <sighs> you go back. <sighs> That's all that will happen in your life. Because you don't have the wisdom or the know-how or the, you have not made room. If you don't have a, uh, you know, a car porch, where are you going to park your car? You have to make room. So that, you, if you want that which is precious to come in your life, you have to make room to accommodate that which is precious to come and fill that space. That's why you, know, you must be quick to discard tendencies. You're drawn to somebody and wisdom tells you no. Quick. You must be quick. Don't, don't play around it. You know? It is equally important for both the man 
and the woman to consider and know his call in Christ. This is equally important. As parents, it's your responsibility to, to, to teach them to diligently seek out their calling. It's a, as Sunday school teachers, it is your responsibility, teachers. As ministers of God, it's your responsibility to teach young people to understand and to know their call. You know, if they can figure out their calling, they'll be solid in life. I'm telling you, everything else will fall into place. It might be a little rough patch they're going through and they're like, you know, so worried. You know why? Because they're not settled in life with regards to the call of God. I mean, who has not gone through rough patches? Who has not gone through times of like, you know, barely making it? Who has not gone through um, difficult circumstances? That's part of growing up. But once you, once you mature, say mature, you know how to deal with it because you have come to terms with the call of God in your life. That gives you so much, such confidence to face life. If, if, you, don't, if you don't invest into knowing your call, you will settle for a good looking guy or a good looking girl and you'll miss out on the God looking guy or the God looking girl. And I want you to know that a good-looking guy is not a substitute for a God-looking guy. A good-looking girl is not a substitute for a God-looking girl. Proverbs 31, same chapter, verse 30. It says, charm is deceitful, beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be? Ah. Beauty can fade, charm can evaporate. It can evaporate, I'm telling you. Over time, that good look that you saw in your spouse can become so ordinary for you. Suddenly, he's not so attractive. Because you are, you are so consumed by good looks. After a while, you got so used to the good looks, it does not appeal to you anymore. It can happen, I'm telling you. That's where most marriages first hit the, the rough patch. And if, 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 if not dealt with, it's going to be a, a cascade. It's got, it's got cascading effect. If you're not going to deal with that right then and there. You, have, you, you, you fell for the good looks. But you kind of, then you realized after a while, maybe one year, two years later, you kind of realized, okay, good looks does not appeal to me anymore. Because the good-looking guy that you saw earlier is not looking so good anymore. The, the perfect figure that you fell for does not look so perfect to you anymore. You know why? Because that is not binds a marriage. That can evaporate. It can fade. It is fleeting. That's why now you see in the world, uh, the most handsome um, Hero, hero in the, the Bollywood industry got married to the, the most beautiful heroine in the same industry. Okay, And before you know it, they are searching for the next person. If it was all about good looks, then they should have been bound for settle for life. Isn't that so? If good looks can keep a marriage, then good looking couples should stay like that for the rest of their lives. Why is it that they go from one separation to the next separation to the next failure to the next failure? Why is that? Because good looks can't keep a marriage. But a God-looking person is my synonym, okay? 
for a person who constantly looks toward God, is always considering God, is always diligently, is diligently studying the call of God, is always looking God, everything in life, the yardstick is God, His word, His ways. He measures everything, He gauges everything in life with that voice. He gauges everything with the Spirit of God, by the Spirit of God. He's a God-looking guy. He's a, she's a God-looking girl. Such a person is a God-looking person who knows her, his or her identity in Christ and is so sure about his or her call from God. I was reading Genesis chapter 2. Then this came to my attention. Genesis chapter 2. Let's read from verse 18 on. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a suitable helper helper suitable for him and out of the ground the lord god formed every animal of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to man to see what he would call them and whatever the man called the living creature that was his name and the man gave names to all the livestock and to all the birds of the sky and to every animal of the field god did not say that it is not good for adam to be Lonely. Does the Bible say like that? It's, it's not good for the man to be lonely. Is that what the Bible says? It says alone. And I want you to understand there's a difference. There's a huge difference between loneliness and being alone. We think, and even I have made that mistake. I used to understand it like being alone. By being alone, God was referring to the man's loneliness. No, he was not referring to loneliness. If it was about loneliness, then God is... Not considering himself. If it was about loneliness, then God is not considering himself. How can Adam be lonely when God is with him? So God was not dealing with loneliness. God did not look at Adam and say, Oh, this man is poor guy. He is lonely. But he looked at Adam and said, He is alone. It is not good for him to be alone. So let, let me make him a suitable helper. What do you mean alone? Alone in what? What was the responsibility given to Adam? To have, say dominion. To have dominion on this earth. He was given stewardship. He was given the charge to be in charge of the whole earth. Everything was given unto him. He was to rule over everything. And then God looked at Adam. Oh, this guy can't do it alone. He can't do it. It is not good for him to be alone. He needs somebody to help him. See, it's not about loneliness. All of you who are not married, please don't come to your pastor. Please pray for me. I'm feeling very lonely. Your loneliness is your problem. Deal with it. Prayer cannot help your loneliness. You have to go and find people to get involved with. Have fellowship. Make friends. Come to church. Come for Bible study. Come for practice. Yeah. Go visit your pastor. So that's how you deal with loneliness. God was not referring to the lo oh, you poor Adam. He is so lonely. No, God said, he's alone. It's not good for him to be alone because he cannot manage the call that I placed upon him. He cannot handle the weight of this call to be in charge, to be in authority over all these things that I placed before him. And God said, he needs a suitable helper. Hallelujah. And then God said, okay, let's do this. So he created these animals. Are you with me? You love this, I'm telling you. 
he created these so adam is like watching god said i'm going to give you a suitable helper first the giraffe came and adam's uh, bucket list said my wife should be tall look at the giraffe giraffe is quite tall i found my did he say that okay giraffe went by the next person to come was the the cuckoo bird and adam's second uh, thing was she should sing well the cuckoo bird sang really well are you getting this this is mentioned in the bible but i'm telling this is what happened okay one by one these animals like god created these animals and god stepped back and checked what is adam going to call these animals and whatever he is going to call these animals will be what it is so when the giraffe came around he said giraffe what is it okay that's giraffe let giraffe go and when the cuckoo bird came he said cuckoo bird okay cuckoo bird fine but according to adam's description there was a tall figure that he wanted a singer that he wanted a high flyer so next came the eagle high flying eagle somebody was climbed the corporate ladder a monkey came who can climb up so adam did not fall for any of these animals adam just called giraffe cuckoo bird eagle monkey pig hippopotamus crocodile fox tiger lion and then bible says let's let's read it let's read from verse 20 the man gave names so now what's so important about names why did god wait to see what he is going to call them it's because what you call a person okay you, what you call a person shows what's the worth that you give that person some of you it's new it's not it's not close to your home but i'm trying to bring a point to you what you call a person shows what's the worth that you find in that person in your life so is it okay that's giraffe okay giraffe elephant elephant cuckoo bird cuckoo bird eagle eagle vulture vulture chimpanzee chimpanzee orangutan orangutan gorilla gorilla crocodile hippopotamus pig and this and that none of those names resonated worth a feeling of worth or value from within him do you call your father by name you call him appa yeah because it it carries the worth that you know in the person this is my father so that's why it is important you have to understand these are all principles in life is all spiritual principles and nobody would teach you all these things but these are things that you learn with with maturity so he called all these names to these animals and then it says verse 20 the man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the sky and to every animal of the field but for adam there was not found a suitable helper suitable for him okay so verse 21 so say so So God was waiting. That's why the saw is there. God was like, you know, observing the process. Okay. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. 
and the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. And the man did not say anything else. Man did not call her a giraffe or an elephant or a gorilla. The man, Adam said, at last, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. This is mine. That's what he said. None of the other things fascinated him. That's what I said. You're going for the looks other things can fascinate you. The wrong people can fascinate you. If you're going for the giftings, the wrong people can fascinate you. But if you understand what's your call, your mandate from God, then you will evaluate the person not based on the looks, not based on the voice, not based on the talents, not based on educational qualification, not based on any of those things, but you will evaluate the person based on that spiritual uh, inside within you, the wisdom within you, which tells you this is a suitable helper to help you fulfill the call of God over your life. And that's how you must arrive at finding an excellent wife. I like one thing about this story. It says, God put him to sleep. Amen. Most of the times, we are staying awake. That's why you're not able to find that person God wants for you. You go to sleep. You got to go to sleep. Allow the Lord, allow the Holy Spirit to put you to sleep. Be at a place of rest. Don't fret. Don't run after these things. Don't waste your time. Don't See, the Bible talks about this. In fact, the Bible talks about this in the, in the same passage. Don't waste your strength on women. Don't waste. It is not fit for a king to waste his strength on women. Be at rest. Go to sleep. Not now. Go to sleep. Allow the Holy Spirit to put you to sleep. Be at rest. Resign from this striving and resign from this labor. You're trying to find and pursuing. You don't want to let go. You're so like, you know, holding on. Oh, please don't go. Please don't leave me. I want you. Relax. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. Because when you sleep, God will take out from within you. Meaning, the call of God which is within you. Man. So, he took from within man. And created somebody to stand by him. Unless God creates something from within you, that person is not standing, not worth to stand by you. I'm telling you, see, the secret to a, a, a strong marriage life is when the husband and the wife actively pursue the call of God in their lives. They have entered marriage with the conviction of the call of God. They continue in the marriage with, by, like, you know, all the more diligently applying diligence to consider the call and the choosing of God in their lives, over their lives. And in doing so, they will not be, they will not stumble, even with regards to marriage. An abundant supply will be provided for them. An abundant entrance, an abundant space will be provided for them into the entrance of his kingdom. And God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and he slept. 
And then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. And the Lord God fashioned the woman, the rib which he had taken from the man, and brought her to the man. And the man said, at last. Whew. Say at last. At last. This is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. So now most of you who listen to me might think that I was ministering only to the, to the unmarried. But there are, there are great principles for the married to understand here. Now you want to revive your marriage. You want to bring it to a place where your marriage is not just uh, like, you know, you're just hanging by a thread line. Uh, see, that's right. It, it is not just a very mechanical uh, namesake union. You want it to be full of the dynamics of God, vibrant, always purposeful and full of always yielding fruit so that others will look at your marriage and give glory to God because this union is just bearing fruit. Not in terms of having children. Yes, good for that. Good. That is good. But even otherwise, in the, in, in the spiritual, you're bearing fruit. You are you're making an impact in the kingdom of God. And if your marriage is not doing so, then you have to get into this kind of a teaching. The word of God must mentor your marriage. The word of God must mentor your marriage. Hallelujah. Man, do you want more? Do you want God to speak to you? I want to set you free. Bring you to a place of peace. And make every relationship in your life, not just marriage, every relationship in your life must be full of the purpose of God. Every relationship, every friendship, every, every brotherhood. I mean, you, you must not hold on to anything that is not bearing fruit. Don't try to hold on. When the Lord wants to prune, let the Lord prune. And I have had, you know, even after coming to ministry, I've had people come and go. You know, it's painful at the time. But the Lord knows what He's doing. You, you need to understand what God desires. He desires for your success. He desires for your well-being. You know, your fruitfulness. He desires that over your life. Amen. Hallelujah. And it's time to, uh, you know, as, as married people here, it is time to rediscover your marriage. According to the light of God's word, rediscover the purpose of your union. Rediscover. You, you may be married for, I don't know how many years, maybe five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. doesn't matter. You have to rediscover diligently. Say diligently. Diligently. Diligently rediscover the call of God over your union. So that you'll always be bearing fruit. And for all the unmarried people, focus on building your worth. Focus on building your worth. That's good. You just got married. You can continue that. Yeah? Focus on building your worth. So that you can, you can groom her to be. You can um, stimulate her to be that virtuous, excellent wife in your life. Amen? Yes? Yes? Hallelujah. It's a good teaching for you. In your teenage. It's a, even before your teenage. Even as a child. It's a good teaching for you. You can understand these things. Don't pretend like, oh, I know that you understand all these things. Yeah. I know, I know the kids today because I know what they are exposed to. I know where they come from. I know what is being discussed in classrooms. I know what is discussed between, um, you know. You must, you must actually, you know, educate me. 
update me. Because this is, uh, it's so alarming to know these are the kind of things that our kids are being exposed to. So if the church is silent about these things, the world will teach them, the world will preach to them, the world will groom them, and you will lose them. So the church must teach. Fam Christian homes must teach. Tell your children when it is right, when it is not right. Don't follow the pattern of this world. Do not be swayed by how the world functions. You must have your standards according to God's word. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for ministering to us. Thank you. There is freedom in this place. To those who have responded, to those who have received your word, there is freedom, there is progress. There is progress. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God is good. God is good. God is good. You are good in our lives. You want to help us to get rid of frustration and, and desperation and, and being zapped of energy and drained. You don't want us to waste our strength on that which is not from you. You don't want us to pursue and fill our minds with the, those things which does not edify, which does not fit the eternal call of God. Because everything you have designed is measured in eternity, can be measured in eternity. That which is not, that, that which cannot be measured in eternity is not relevant in your sight. Lord, we pray that you'll take away such things from our lives. Take away friendships and relationships, Lord, which, which does not add up in eternity which has no value in eternity. And we don't want to be manipulative of the call of God, but we want to be truthful. You desire truth in the innermost beings. That which you desire to do in us, do in us, Lord. Help us to grow, mature, and to all the more, with all the more diligence, pursue the knowledge of this call that we will never be found stumbling or falling or in error. Thank you that you are a God who loves us so dearly. Thank you, Lord, for setting us free. You desire purity in us. You are sanctifying us. You are cleansing us. You are purging our ways. Hallelujah. You are teaching us to make the right choices, choices in life. You are teaching us to decide the course of our lives. Thank you, Pa. Thank you. Thank you, Pa. In Jesus' most awesome name, I pray. Amen. Amen. As I was praying, something that the, the Lord reminded me to tell you, maybe it was something that I missed out. Uh, see, the Lord will not decide anything for you. So we, as Christians... We have this wrong understanding. I also thought like that. You know, we, have, we make prayers like this. Lord, if it is not your will, um, let that person move away from me. Uh, let this door close. See, when Jesus prayed, um, you know, if it is not your will, let this cup pass from me. He did not stop there. He went on to pray, but let your will be done. You understand? He's not going to decide for you. You have to decide for yourself. Free will is to embrace his will. But you make the decision. God will not decide for you. This is, this is with regards to relationships, marriage, 
with regards to friendship, with regards to career, with regards to what you want to do in life. Choose life. He will just say, life, death. Then he will say, choose life. That's all. But he will not make the choice for you. Okay, so the Lord has stirred that, that thought in me to share it with you. Um, it's, a, it's a different topic. It's a, it's a whole, like in a big topic, maybe some other time we can go deeper into it. But I want you to be encouraged. Decide, make decisions based on what God is teaching you and what God is showing you. Amen. Be blessed. Hello, this is Nisha Dilip Koshi. I'm sure this podcast has blessed you. Do subscribe to our channel for more messages and follow us on social media to stay connected. May God bless you.